Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Welcome back to another week of travel explorations. Well, it's been a year since the pandemic changed our world and travel practically came to a halt. And while state-by-state shutdowns happened at different times by April, travel restrictions and travel bans were in full effect around the world. And I want to say that was April of 2020. Today, executive producer Jean Harley joins me in a review of these events, and we engaged with our social media audiences to learn where you were when it happened, how were you impacted, and what your travel experience has been since. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute, but right now, let's get into a little travel news. Well, first of all, welcome, Gene. Welcome back. Thank you, Javon. There's a new app in town. This one is very good because it's interactive. It is a map, and it actually reads where you are. It's a new app that's been put out there. Go ahead and tell us more about it, Javon. Uh, yeah, it's an app produced by Sherpa, and as Gene mentioned, it's interactive, and it shows you where you can travel right now, depending on your location, and vaccination status. So this is really related to what's happening right now. This is really related to COVID. So it'll give you an idea of if you're thinking about going to a destination, can you fly to that destination or go to that destination based on where you are? And then what it's going to require of you to get to that destination. It's really nice because basically travelers can view by country. You just hover over the country on the map This prompts a pop-up box with an overview of the country's current policies for inbound travelers. So you know at an easy reference, the countries are color-coded. It tells you what it takes to get there based on where you're coming from, what your situation is as far as vaccination, and what kind of quarantine or restrictions you're going to have to deal with. Any of those COVID protocols. And another nice feature that I like is that, first of all, it pops up. So you don't have to click on anything until you want to. So you hover over the country that you want to visit and then the box pops up and it'll give you the general information with some further links for you to click if you want more information. Again, it's put out by Sherpa. It's Sherpa's interactive map. You go to apply, A-P-P-L-Y dot join Sherpa. That's S-H-E-R-P-A dot com forward slash map. Everything is really happening for 2021 and really catering to the demand for travel because travel is really picking up, especially for the summer. And so there's a survey that was put out about what's happening for summer travel in 2021. And it's very interesting because it really does indicate that there's a lot of pent up demand and that people will hit the road this summer. Some will do so domestically and some will do so internationally, whether it's near or far. Of course, some of those countries we can visit with just a couple of hours away from wherever you are in the United States. And then others, of course, are gonna be a longer haul. But this particular survey, the Portrait of American Travelers, really indicates what's gonna happen this summer. Is that people are hitting the road. That's pretty much one of the number one biggest increases. Three in five U.S. adults, 62%, expect to take at least one leisure vacation during the next six months, with the preferred mode of transportation being their own car. And two in five, or 38%, say they will take a domestic flight. Looking further out to the next 12 months, four in five, a whopping 81%, say that they expect to take at least one trip. What are some of the other trends that we saw? Well, a lot of different trends on there is that the intent to take a vacation during the next six months decreases with age. I mean, increases with household income. So basically, you're in a situation where active leisure travelers, those who tend to travel within the next 12 months, expect to take 3.7 night overnight leisure trips this year and spend an average of $2,415 on those trips. So the Gen Xers and Boomers 
tend to take fewer trips than the Gen Zs and Millennials, but as the income goes up, so does the demand to travel come in too. Sustainable travel is also high priority for everyone as well. But that brings up another question that everybody's talking about now because the boomers are really excited about the vaccine. And a lot of them, even our own travelers, are saying, I have my vaccine and now I'm ready to travel. And as travel restrictions have lightened and been updated by the CDC with the activities of those with vaccinations, people are really saying, well, wait a minute, younger people aren't vaccinated. Yeah, so what do we do if we're taking a family vacation and we're traveling in the time of COVID? And so you have the parents or grandparents who have the vaccine and the children who have not. And this becomes an important factor because as you already mentioned, 30% of the American public have been vaccinated and will be traveling. However, there's so much going on because basically most of the studies show that small children are not considered a high risk for infection from COVID. So therefore, they're not considered a high risk for transmitting the virus either. So vaccinations for children have not been approved as of yet, although many of them are on the plan. If you're fully vaccinated as individuals, consider not so much about whether your children are vaccinated, but how well the vaccinated the public area is going to be that you are traveling to, where you plan on taking your family. That becomes the crucial thing. Where social distancing is still taking place, are you going to be in mass areas with a lot of people, or are you choosing a destination where you're going to be somewhat isolated and can be separated so your family can be safe? Yeah, a very, very good point. And I would actually consider that point without children as far as where am I going and what is their vaccination rate? Yes. where I'm going. And I think that might be especially true. Even if you're not someone who is vaccinated, you want to kind of know what the destination and how they're handling it. Let's be honest, until there is a pediatric vaccine that is approved and the children are vaccinated, and some of that will happen this summer. But if you're traveling in between and before that time, you need to take all these things in consideration. Absolutely. And then lastly, spend as much time outdoors as possible. It's not only a safer bet than congregating indoors, but it's also better for our mental health. Just do more things outside if you can. And let's talk about another predictor and or survey. NerdWallet talked about travel is talking about travel in 2021 and what kind of pricing can we see because you know, a lot of us thought, oh, when travel comes back, we're going to snag these great deals. Yeah. And that may have been the case early in 2020 or even summer of 2020 when restrictions were still heavy and very, very few people were traveling. But that's no longer the Not case. True. Prices are going up, actually. Uh, the longer you wait, the longer you're going to have to wait to see low prices again. Let's look at all the circumstances that are out there. There's increased demand going on right now, and in all instances of travel, whether it be plane, train, or automobile, there is less supply. When there's less supply and more demand, the prices go up. We talk about the instances in Florida when somebody went to rent a Kia at $300 a day, okay? Flights are in higher demand, cars are in higher demand, train travel, everything is in higher demand, but there is less supply at this time. So the best thing to do is look around and book early. That's right. And you talked about car rental. While your premium uh, destinations, when I say premium, I mean high vacations, vacation spots like Florida and Hawaii, you can see three to $500 a day for car rental. But even just your general car rental to other destinations, you can expect them to double, if not triple in some cases, because when a lot of vehicles were parked, the prices went up because they didn't have much there. And a lot of them have not been returned. And the same is with the airlines. Uh, a lot of airplanes were parked and it's gonna take them time to put them back into operation. So as the demand is increased, the availability is not at the same rate and that's what's happening that's right and the supply is not out there but at the same time as you're planning your summer vacation no matter how you plan on getting there how, where you plan on staying business travel is coming back and that is a demand element where people don't have as much flexibility they have to get back to work so that means that 
less supply, more demand. You can expect increases on airfares going up 4 to 5% every month throughout the summer and continuing that way until we get back to a full amount of supply. Absolutely. And on a quick note, it's less than 100 days away. I'm talking about the 2020 Summer Olympics that were rescheduled for 2021 will occur July 23rd, 2021, and it will end on August 8th to a practically virtual audience. Yes, you really don't have a choice. You basically are looking at a market, a city of Tokyo that is also already one of the most crowded cities in the world, 14 million people. 80% of the population there does not want this to go on. So you're gonna have virtual audiences. Even many of the fans, their family of the athletes will not be able to attend the event. You've got events kicking off July 21st and then the formal events kicking off July 23rd. North Korea is already backed out and there may be some other countries and athletes that just decide this is not the year for them. Yeah, I always look forward to track and field. So, mm -hmm. and swimming, of course, the swim meets. There is another new app and I absolutely love this one and think this one will certainly take up real estate in my phone. And that is the travel app out of Virginia. It is a black experience during the Civil War era. It's called the American Battlefield Trust and Civil War Trails. And it is recently, it, well, it has been recently released and it's called the Road to Freedom Tour Guide uh, an online phone app and it's Virginia's Civil War sites with the African-American history connected to those places. What I love about it is that if you're standing in that place, of course your Google Maps is incorporated and it can tell you where you are and give you a little history about it. So you can put yourself right there because you are there, but the experience that it'll give you to let you know that you're standing in a spot where something major happened and it'll give you that history, that African-American history during that time. Yeah, it's excellent because right now it's highlighting over 88 current sites and get this, most of them are outside, allow you for social distancing. So this program is set up by the American Battlefield Trust and Civil War Trails Incorporated, again called the Road to Freedom, is an app you want to have if you're going to be in the Washington, Maryland, Virginia area, but especially in Virginia, which is where most of the battles and a lot went on during the Civil War. Yeah, and just think about it, what you can do with these apps, especially those that are specific to a destination, is download them before you go, map out some things that you want to do, use them while you're there, and then when you return, you can use them to create your own itinerary and kind of a history trail of your own, and then you can remove the app until you go back again. So you don't always have to keep the app on your phone. And then lastly, Cicely Tyson, who passed away at the age of 96 in, in January of this year, may have a street named after her, her hometown. She was raised at 178 East 101st Street in New York, a five-story walk-up near Lexington Avenue. And they are petitioning for the street to be named Cicely Tyson. Well, that's all we've got for travel news. And when we come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and a review of our past year of travel. I'm Javon Harley, the Traveling Culturati on Sirius XM 141 HUR Voices. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati, and welcome back. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, TravelingCulturati.com. Connect with me on social media and join the travel club. We're going to Croatia. August 27th through September 4th on a privately chartered small cruiser. When I say small cruiser, I mean a yacht. Yes, only 17 cabins on board. And we are traveling from Split to Dubrovnik. Croatia is a beautiful country, and I just uh, did a site inspection there a few weeks back. So we're excited to be able to offer you an opportunity to join us on this fantastic experience. So again, it's Croatia, 
August 27th through September 4th. And we're also offering a three-night extension to Dubrovnik. So we're creating our own little bubble here, if you will. Go to TravelingCulturati.com and check it out. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Have you ever flown and your ears became clogged? It's annoying and it makes it difficult to hear. So rather than suffer through it until it clears on its own, which can be hours, if not a day or two, I've got some tips to unclog your ears for quicker and safer relief. So some simple methods involve equalizing the pressure. And you can do this in two ways. You can close your mouth, pinch your nose, and softly blow through your mouth, or you can pinch your nose and take a few sips of water. These are called Valsalva and the Toynbee maneuvers. Another method is to loosen and drain the earwax by opening your eustonation tubes. If I'm saying that correctly, <laughs> you add lukewarm olive oil or hydrogen peroxide to eardroppers, placing three to five drops of liquid in the blocked ear. You'll lay on your side for five to 10 minutes before laying on the opposite side, allowing the ear to drain. You can also use warm compresses by wetting a washcloth with warm water and applying it to the ear for five to 10 minutes. The fluids will then start to drain. You can also steam by holding a towel over your head and leaning over a bowl of boiling water. Or you can hop in a shower for 10 minutes. Or if you wanna get the water extra hot, just turn the heat up, sit outside of the shower and just inhale the steam. But I always say prevention is the best medicine. So to take some steps to prevent, you can take a decongestant one hour before your flight to thin the mucus in your sinuses. Of course, check with your doctor before you take any over-the-counter drugs. You can also open up those eustonation tubes by using a nasal spray before you board and 45 minutes prior to landing. You can wear earplugs to relieve air pressure during the flight. And then also you can chew gum, you can yawn, or you can suck on hard candy when you're taking off and landing. And if you wanna hear about the tea bag trick, well, you'll just have to go on over to my blog. <laughs> this is Javon and that was your Travel Minute. It's been a little over a year since the pandemic changed our world and travel practically came to a halt. And while state-by-state -state shutdowns happened at different times, by April, travel restrictions and travel bans were in full effect around the world. So we're gonna review these events and we also engaged on our social media platforms and asked for your experiences. We wanted to know where you were when it happened, how you were impacted and what your travel experiences have been since the pandemic. And I have a lot to share with you on that. So let's first talk about how things unfolded. You know, we're more than a year, of course, since the pandemic, unbeknownst to us, it actually started a little before then, November or December in 2019. But on January 31st is when we received our first travel restriction, and that was for flights to and from China that were to be in effect as of February 2nd. And again, this was a travel restriction, not a travel ban. So more than 40,000 people still flew between China and the United States. So Gene, what happened next? March 11, 2020, President Trump suspended travel from Europe for 30 days as part of a response to foreign coronavirus growth. And that was mainly looking at Italy and certain countries where there was a lot of growth. But at the same time, People still could fly in from the United Kingdom, and we even had meetings with people who flew in by way of the United Kingdom. Yeah, so again, these were travel restrictions, not travel bans. But at the same time, countries around the world began implementing their own travel restrictions and bans. And so flights across borders were really starting to shut down around that time. And during the year, states and countries have made adjustments with who can travel to their state and or country and who could not. But then the next thing happened as things unfolded. That's right. Initially, we learned a lot of new terms, PPE, personal protective equipment, was at a high demand. But then it came out that everyone should be starting to wear masks and social distancing should take place. And we came up with a formula of two arms lengths or six feet. 
and that took over and most of us know that that came out, but this varied from state to state. Some places required masks, some didn't. Some had social distancing and closed down restaurants and social areas, and many did not. It became this thing of what's mandatory, what's recommended. I even remember early on with masks that they said, if you're not sick, don't wear don't the wear mask. mask. Only wear the mask if you're sick. And now we're learning that this was said really because there was such a shortage of PPE and they didn't want everyone buying up everything. That we're learning now. Starting in early May of 2020, JetBlue, American, Delta, United, and Southwest all made it mandatory for customers to wear a face mask or a face covering on board. And then of course, other airlines, foreign and domestic, followed suit with some foreign carriers implementing this well before we did. Yeah, and it's true. So basically you ran into a situation where a mask became mandatory and then the United States government and other governments made it mandatory even in the airports and on all forms of travel that included trains, buses, anything that was being used by the public, even Uber or taxi cabs. Yeah, and as we saw some borders opening up, so did the requirement for PCR tests yes. to enter. Most countries who opened their borders did so with that requirement that you had to have a negative PCR test. And that time period varied anywhere from 48 hours to 96 hours prior to arriving. And I think that was really along the lines of how long it would take you to get there. Because when we went to the Maldives in January, we had 96 hours to have that test because it would take you a day and a half to get there practically. Yeah, it's true. So it's going to be based on the destination. But last year during the summer months, a number of destinations reopened again or allowed travel from foreign and domestic visitors, and this included some states. Yeah, we all got very excited after the summer and started traveling a little bit more, whether it was domestic or international. But then the fall and the winter came, especially during the winter. More restrictions and more cases came about. And actually the restrictions came because there were so many more cases and we had surges that happened throughout the winter and countries and states started closing up again. That's right. So many people had to rebook their plans, had to make changes, had to cut their vacation or travel time short. In some cases, rare, but they were, people were trapped where they were, unable to get home initially and had to make other travel arrangements. So overall, you saw a decrease of 95% of travel from last year versus same time this year. As the year progressed, of course, the spring came around and we saw those numbers decrease again and borders began to open up again. So we did see a situation of countries and states closing, opening, closing, and then opening again. So what has this year been like and how do you feel about travel now? That was really one of the questions that we posed to our social media followers. And we're asking that of you as well. As Jean mentioned earlier, so many travel plans that were canceled and or rescheduled for later are doing so now. And some were traveling during that time and had to cut their travel short. And we have to mention that probably because of leadership and because of an election, we were really in the throes of an election, that the United States didn't implement a PCR requirement for those entering the United States or returning to the United States until January 26th. And then, you know, the vaccine really did not kick out and become available to people around the world, but especially the United States until December of last year. So at that point, we're looking at now where we are now with over 30% of the population vaccinated. Many countries have vaccines going on. A lot of countries have vaccination rates of 40, 50, 60%, and it's growing every day. So where do we stand now? That's the big difference we have to look at. We had some great comments from many of our travelers and many of our people on social media, didn't we, Jamon? We certainly did. One question that we asked was, did you get the vaccine? How do you feel about the vaccine? And will you be getting the vaccine? And about 90% of our respondents said that they would get the vaccine and would feel more comfortable traveling afterwards. 
and that's 30% higher than the national average is around this time. And that's a good point. And I love some of the comments from people about travel because it has been a year, but it's been a tough 2020. <laughs> it certainly has. So Morell actually said that she can't even remember it's been that long ago. <laughs> and for Morell, I would say to you what I'm doing. Make a chart and remember where you had all those credits that you didn't use for flights that were canceled or you weren't able to use them because you have a certain amount of time you have to use those all up and most of them die out in 2022 or 2023. Yeah, and she said it's all about to change this year. Set this month, she's going to travel. She has two domestic trips planned and one to Mexico all before August. So she's ready to go. <laughs> what did Pinky say? Pinky was talking about that her last trip was to Nassau and it was for her birthday, which was back in March 4th. So she was one of the last people to get out and about there. So congratulations to you, Pinky, but has not traveled since then is looking forward to traveling again, like most of us. Our last trip was in February. And we've been on, thank you, two trips going on three since then, and we're gonna to continue to travel. Again, it's a reminder, as we said before, there was a travel restriction imposed on China that was in effect February 2nd, and then there was a 30-day travel suspension from Europe. But remember, there were no other travel restrictions put in place. What actually started happening is that other countries started imposing travel restrictions. So the demand wasn't there or you couldn't get there because the country had closed their borders. So in essence, that really is what grounded a lot of flights, not due to the U.S. saying you can't fly there, but because of other countries closing their borders. So yeah, March 4th, you were able to fly to the Caribbean. So basically, we're sitting in a situation now in April where it's been a year since a lot of places have been open and nothing is fully open at this time. But with the PCR test, the vaccine and other elements, there are more places now that you can travel to than you've had in over a year. Yeah. What about some of the other comments? Huh? Well, Clady's, for example, said that her last trip was to Georgia in December. Wow. Yeah. So December of 2020, somebody who, you know, still traveling after the pandemic, but this was a family trip. And then Bonnie said that her last trip was to Atlanta in March of 2020. So again, another person who traveled before then. And remember, domestic travel never stopped. It just no. reduced greatly. Although you were told in many destinations, many states had restrictions that you were supposed to confine yourself and lock yourself down for up to 14 days. I wonder how many people actually did that. I'm looking at Mel. Mel was out and about. He did L.A., New York City, Florida, and a cruise pre-pandemic. And then he was locked down. He's hoping to get back to Los Angeles and other places in Florida. He just wants to get back out and about, and people are planning for it now. And Mel, you're following most of us. We are planning for our vacation time now. Yeah, well, he's already visited his son in Los Angeles, and he just came back from Kissimmee just two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And not holding back. I like that comment. We're not holding back. We have more trips planned. Still haven't decided on New York yet. Still hearing that it's not the same. And I think that's something, too. When you're talking about places like New York, it's not necessarily whether you should or shouldn't. It's what's open. What is that experience going to be like? That's what right. can I do? What's available to me? I think those are some of the things that people are really thinking well, about. Well, Broadway is starting to reopen again, and it's been a long, hard year for entertainment and activities, but that's a confined area. And when you're in a big city like New York, where everything is so close together, those are things to take in consideration. Yeah. So when you go to the theater, it may be hard to get tickets because they may only be 30, 40 percent. The same thing with restaurants. You need to chart out where you want to go and when you want to go there. And it also comes down to some destinations. I mean, keep in mind, the U.S. still requires a negative COVID test to get back in the United States. There have been people who have been trapped in destinations because they failed the test because they were out having a good time and socializing. And now they've had a positive test and they have to lock down for 14 days before they can come home. Yeah, so let's get back to some of these comments. And as I mentioned, Bonnie said that her last trip was in March to Atlanta, but she's planning for Vegas this June and she's ready to start planning her big 
birthday party in 2022. So she's going to start planning that very soon. And Carolyn said that Atlanta, again, several people going to Atlanta here. Mm -hmm. What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) She had gone to Atlanta in March of 2020. That was her last trip since the pandemic. And she also went to the Grand Cayman in late February of 2020. And she's headed to Cabo in May of 2021. See, those are some great destinations, some great trips to look at. Michael made it to the Jazz Festival. Rose was talking about how she did Australia before the lockdown. And Australia and New Zealand are trying to maintain a bubble with certain Southeast Asian countries or Pacific Rim countries. So they're not fully open yet again. But she's going back to where? Vegas. Vegas, (laughs) In 2021. And one of the top destinations for a lot of American travelers looking at domestically. Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, I think Hawaii gives us that international feel. So it's a long flight, and uh, a lot of times we feel like we're going to a new country (laughs) when we're going to Hawaii. (laughs) Now, things differ from state to state, and states like Florida and others are taking it where they're trying to be more open and more welcome to travelers and tourists. So a lot of people are looking at going to Florida, especially as we come up to summer and the parks are open in Florida and in California. So look for a lot of travel to places like Miami, going to Tampa Bay, Hollywood, California, Los Angeles, and also, you know, the Kissimmee and all the areas in Orlando. Yeah, and Karen is saying that her first post-COVID trip was Tampa in Florida that she's just returned from there. And Tamika, her last trip was late 2019 to Israel. She's traveled locally, but is looking to travel anywhere out of the country <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and then we, we did have a traveler who was on a three-month cruise when everything began to change, and that trip was cut short for her. They were redirected to a port where they could fly home. So that was that experience. She was looking forward to going to South Africa, but they never made it to South Africa on that journey. And that's true with a lot of cruises. I think, honestly, if you're looking at cruising, that might be the last element to be restored. The cruise lines are really looking to hit the waters again here in the United States in July. The CDC has not cleared them yet, but they're hoping that they can convince them to do so in July. With a lot of the cruise lines, if not all by this time, are saying you have to be fully vaccinated in order to cruise, and that's staff and cruisers. And we've seen that on airlines, and we're going to see that on cruises. So that becomes a great intro for us to look at the idea of when you get your vaccine card, that CDC card or that proof of vaccination is going to be a crucial element, not just for international travel, but for domestic. It may be necessary to go to a ballpark to prove that you've been vaccinated. And that's certainly true. And I'm going to talk about the vaccine passport in just a minute, because that certainly is something that is a huge topic today. Well, one thing we know certainly about COVID is that nothing is certain and the situation is constantly changing. So you always want to check the sites of the countries and the countries that you're visiting and the companies that you'll be using. So whether it's the airline, a cruise line, the hotel, you want to check for their protocols and restrictions before you go. You can also go to travel.state.gov where you can get links to the CDC, you can get links to individual countries and you can get an outline of what is happening per state as well. So again, that's travel.state.gov. You can also go to cdc.gov as well. And again, if you want to share your experiences with us, it's not too late. We'll continue the conversation on our shows in the coming weeks. Just email us at info at travelingculturati.com. And as I said, I want to talk about the vaccine and the vaccine passport, because that's been a huge topic that everyone is talking about, whether or not to get the vaccine and whether or not there should be a vaccine passport. But you've been vaccinated, let's say, and you want to know what to do with your vaccine card. Not all facilities are administering the vaccine card. Most are, but some are not. For example, where I got my vaccine, which was at a hospital, they did not provide a vaccine card. It's actually where my doctor's office is. So they actually just updated my records and I can print it out at any time, but I didn't get the official COVID card. They said due to security reasons, they did not produce that. But most sites 
have the vaccine card. It's that white card and they have the information on there as far as which vaccine you received and the dates that you received your first and second dose as well as your name and that information. So we know that more than 100 million Americans have received at least one vaccine shot. And again, that card is that four by three paper vaccination record card that's issued by the CDC, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So it was sent out to all of the facilities who are administering the vaccine. So in the post-pandemic world, that little card that says that you're fully vaccinated could become an important document for your travel. It could also become an important document for your events like ball games or concerts. So it's definitely something that you want to hold on to. It is very important and you want to keep it in a safe place. You don't need to have it with you all the time. You only want to have it with you when you need to have it with you. But a lot of places are accepting a document that you have in your phone, for example. So some may not require the actual card be presented. Some might. So again, you want to check that in advance. So you can take a photocopy or a photograph of your record card and have it in your phone so that you can produce that or you can scan it and then download that to your computer and or your phone as well. And the first thing that experts recommend once you've been vaccinated is taking that digital photograph of both sides of your personal card. And then one thing you shouldn't do, and I've seen this a lot, please, please, please do not share your personal proof of inoculation on Facebook or any other social media site. This could lead to identity theft because the CDC card includes your birth date as well as your first name and your last name. So you wanna protect yourself and not post that card. You can post that you received the vaccine, but just don't post the card. Another thing you can do is you can take a copy of it and travel with it if need be. And again, we'll come back to the vaccine passport, <laughs> if you will, because that'll be something that you may have to present, or even if it's not required, maybe something that you'll want to present because it may change whether or not you'll need to quarantine or whether or not you'll need to provide a negative PCR test. So again, that's another reason that you may want to look into a vaccine passport, which is just a digital version of that yellow card that we talked about before. You can get your card laminated, and again, Staples is still doing it for free. You can use the code 81450, or you can also go to Office Depot. They are now providing lamination of your card for free, and that code is 52516714. So again, Staples code is 81450, and Office Depot's code is 52516714. So in that case, you really wanna leave your original at home if you can, but keep it in a safe place. I always keep my yellow card with my passport. And so you'll wanna do the same with your vaccination card. And you may be wondering what happens if you lose it. Well, you don't want to panic because every time a vaccine is administered, the provider records it with the state's immunization registry. So you can get it. So you'll want to call the state's health department and ask for a replacement, but you wanna make sure that you get your authentic replacement. And just kind of look for changes to come. Maybe we will get a digital platform to incorporate our vaccination record. Some are considering that an ideal situation would be to have a vaccination status incorporated or integrated and stored with your other personal information that reflects your programs like the Global Entry or the TSA PreCheck. So if you have those, then maybe the same will be included or that information will be included in that documentation and maybe even clear. So they're really looking at a way in which they can connect these things. Remember that New York, they have the Excelsior Pass and they feel that it'll play a critical role in getting information to venues and sites in a secure and streamlined way because they're saying that, again, some of these large-scale events may require a vaccination in order for you to attend. So it's 
piloted with the Brooklyn Nets at one of the National Basketball Association teams, home games at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be tested at theaters and other venues as more New Yorkers become vaccinated. So we'll see what happens around the country and globally, how the vaccine and the vaccine passports will impact travel. But beware of faux cards. You cannot just order a vaccine card online, as I've seen, five pack for $20 on eBay or um, other listings. These are fraudulent cards. They do not apply. And actually, the FBI has warned that such schemes violate federal laws prohibiting unauthorized use of an official government agency's seal. So yes, it's an official government document, so it is not to be scammed or to be fraudulently distributed. So beware of that. It's a federal crime. Again, if you'd like to share some of your experiences and if you'd like to express some of your opinions about the vaccine and or the vaccine passport, the possibility of that, email us at info at and when I come back, I'll have a chat with Tuisha D. Rogers Simpson, Vice President of Brand and Partnerships at the National Museum of African American Music. And I'm excited about that. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. The website, TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and check it out and check out Fantastic Croatia coming up August 27th to September 4th. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And one cultural aspect that is deeply rooted in many cultures is music. I'm excited about the National Museum of African American Music, mainly because music was such a part of my upbringing. Chatting with me today is Tuisha D. Rogers Simpson. She is first and foremost a creative problem solver, the former vice president of strategic partnerships for Urban One. Tuisha has been recognized by MSNBC, NPR, and Essence as a strategist, producer, and industry thought leader in multicultural media and consumer insights and currently is the vice president of brand and partnerships at the national museum of african-american music hello tuisha and welcome to traveling culturati good afternoon and thank you for having me super excited i am excited too and it's on my list and i'm excited about the opportunity to visit the national museum of african-american music i'm calling it the museum it's finally here and it's finally open. When was the official opening? It seems like it's been forever, but we opened up actually at a ribbon cutting on January 18th, which is Martin Luther King holiday. And we've been open ever since. As we continue to uh, get warmer outside, we've been adding days to our visitation. So it's been quite, quite a ride and quite busy. Now, it's the only museum dedicated solely to African-American music. How significant is that? Oh my gosh, it's super significant. Matter of fact, our campaign is Black Music Has a Home because we really believe we have a unique experience that you can't find anywhere else. And the reason that we're excited about that and we believe it's so unique is because, yes, it's a music museum, but the way we're telling the story is unparalleled, if you will. We start with the history view of African Americans coming to the country and their intersectionality and impact on culture and how those cultural moments turn into music. That allows us to tell a deeper story, a richer story, and to also tell stories that have never been told before and highlight cool opportunities and moments that have happened in our American history and culture that shaped what we know as maybe blues music or country, R&B, and even hip-hop, et cetera, et cetera. So we are very, very proud to be able to craft this unique story in this way. 
And I was just surprised that it had never been done before with the significance of African-American music, especially as it relates to America. When you look at all the different genres of music in America, and even spanning the globe now, African-American music has a huge place in all of that. Oh, uh, you know, for someone that comes to the museum, you got it. That's exactly it. <laughs> and that's exactly the story we're telling. Can't wait for you to visit because I think you'll be really excited and delighted to see that that is our storyline and that's the story we're trying to share. And yes, you know, I think what has happened in the past and all due respect to that, we've talked about African culture, we talked about African American culture and history, and music has always been the underbed or assumed in the story. What we have been able to do is make music more of the forefront of that conversation. And so with that, we strongly believe that you can come to this museum and you can walk around and be engaged by what we have there and then go somewhere like Paisley Park, which is a museum dedicated to Prince, or go to the African American Museum of History and Culture in D.C. and it will just add to the experience. It will call out the music and you will see it in a different place, mentioned in a different way, but now it just has a different light and take on it because this museum has done such a great job of telling that story through that voice, uh, through that character, which is black music. Now, opening in January of 2021, we are having, of course, to deal with COVID. How has COVID impacted the opening and attendance? One of the things we have to say is that COVID actually prepared us an engaging experience that is part of the thought, if you will, part of who we are. Unfortunately, when the pandemic happened, we were in the middle of finishing up construction. But fortunately for us, we were able to pivot and develop programming as well as protocols that kept COVID in mind. So upon opening, it was already set in our system to do time ticketing, to have stylists and other instruments, if you will, so folks can engage with the content. Well, you know, of course, mask mandate, things of that nature. That's baked into the experience for us, as opposed to us having to go back and create it, if you will, for your experience. In addition to, we've always operated with a museum without walls prior to COVID. And what that is is our programming and our educational programs that we were activating even without having an actual museum. And so when COVID happened, we were able to lean stronger into those programs to be able to continue engaging our audience. And it will continue to be part of what we do even after the pandemic because it's now part of the DNA of the museum. But we would let everyone know that we take you very seriously. Again, the time ticketing system, we have thorough cleanings afterwards. We have fully, again, been opening our doors to make sure that we are following all mandates, that we do not have overcrowding in the museum. And so, like everyone else, we want everyone to enjoy the museum, but we want them to do it safely. So outside of the program that we've already had that we created, in addition to all the protocols we put in place, I think that we've been able to really navigate COVID the best we possibly can. Fantastic. Did it impact your hours or days of operation? Yes, as I mentioned, what we've done when we originally opened up in January, we had limited hours of only weekends through the month of February. As we start to see progression within the city and within the nation, each month we evaluate where we are with COVID and then we've added another additional day. And so when we went through the month of March, we then opened up on Thursday, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Our goal is eventually, as everyone returns back outside in a safe way, is to be operational seven days a week. And so that is also our way to make sure that we respect what's happening in our communities and being nimble and being courteous and considerate as possible can. Great. So you're right on top of everything, but I want to know what's inside. What can we expect to see and do in the museum? Oh, it's my favorite, favorite part of sharing the story. I'm going to tell you right now, I do not keep happening to the museum. I'm going to try my best to paint in your mind's eye what this looks like, but it's just so much. I love to call it an experience. That's what it really is. Uh, when you walk into the museum, you first are greeted with our wonderful greeters, and you receive an RFID bracelet. And for those who may not know, that is like a microchip bracelet that we put your email address on because that will be part of your experience for the day. It's really, really important. After you receive your bracelet, you would enter the Roots Theater where you're grounded in a film that talks about just the vastness of black music in America, you know, the origins of it being in Africa. So you just maybe call it an appetizer, if you will, 
what you'll see in the museum. After you watch that film, the doors open up and you are let loose to seven beautiful galleries. You can go to any gallery you like, but we would like folks that we encourage folks to go to the galleries through this hotline, again, starting with 1619. And as you go through each gallery, you will notice that there are several different interactives in the galleries, including singing with a choir with Dr. Bobby Jones or downloading a playlist as you discover your favorite artist and who that artist has relationship to, either by peer or has been influenced by. And so then, again, engaging in that, you're able to download your singing, you're downloading playlists, uh, you have opportunity to create jazz songs, become a producer of an R&B song. All these are great interactives within the museum that you can download with that voice that I spoke to earlier. In addition, of course, you will see instruments from wonderful musicians we all know and love, such as B.B. King, Louis Armstrong, we have an actual Grammy from Ella Fitzgerald. We have platinum and gold albums, costumes, and I can go on and on and on. It's just really, really breathtaking. In addition to sheet music and beautiful photos and historical memorabilia that really speak to the eras of the timeline, if you will. And then last but not least, you have to do this experience in a rhythm gallery. Every 30 minutes, we have a takeover moment. And that's when everything goes dark. I mean, we do a great performance by an artist that we may all love and know. And the one that I usually talk about is our Prince Takeover, where you're transformed back into Prince singing Purple Rain in the rain of the Super Bowl. as a 3D IMAX type of experience wow. that everyone gets to enjoy. And so, again, these are just a few things in the museum, but it's highly engaging, it's edutainment, it's exciting, and it's 6,000 square feet of amazingness. I can just imagine folks going in and being very interactive with a rap battle and sing along. And <laughs> Believe it or not, that's actually my favorite interactive is the booth in the message. It's super cool. You have the opportunity to either sing karaoke style to a song, battle someone, or freestyle. And what I love about that interactive along with our other ones is that it's not just that you get to have fun with it, but it actually educates you and puts you in a real-life experience of an artist. And so it explains to you the importance of, you know, what a battle is and the different sounds of hip-hop. But the cool thing is, is that it actually makes you feel like an artist, and people think it's so easy. And so you try to do these songs, and you're trying to breathe and stay on beat and try to get into it and you know, add the emphasis into certain lyrics, you realize that this is a lot of work. And folks memorize like 20 of these things and do a concert. And so it creates a greater appreciation uh, for the artistry and the genius that goes into music and creating music. Yeah, and not to mention those who do freestyle, to be able to just <laughs> do it off the cuff and everything else that you mentioned with staying on beat and you know, and thinking is like, this is beyond walking and chewing gum at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. All of the interactions are that way, where it's like, wow, this is what it really feels like to produce a song or to, again, to a freestyle. I have to admit that I go into that booth very often because it's my favorite. And I haven't mastered freestyling just of it yet because it's really just off the top of your brain. Like, you're thinking and trying to create something and tell a story all at the same time, in the moment. It truly, truly, truly is fun, but you walk away very, very humble. Yeah, and I can also just imagine if you're going through all of that history and understanding even, for example, the blues storytelling and how, you know, that brings us to rap today. There's such a rich history of music in general, but African-American music when you think about all of the genres. Stay tuned for part two in next week's Culture Report. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit travelingculturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen,